Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Well, tonight I'd like to talk about the cup. Because all of us at this time is about to come to a great choice we must take. And that is you told us to take up our cup and follow you. Well, maybe we do not understand the real meaning of the cup, and I would like to review that meaning tonight so that we might understand it a little bit differently, possibly, than we have understood it before. The cup is, of course, very famous in the Last Supper. Dear Lord, I'd like to look at quickly a couple of verses from that, and it gives a general idea how to be a doer of the way of the cup. But the first thing I would like to make known is the cup, what it symbolizes. Because when you were in the garden, you, uh, when they um, cut off the ear, took out the sword and so on, cut the ear off the garden, you told them that, shall I not take up this cup the Father has given to me to do? So what is that cup? What does it mean that the Father gave him this cup to do? The cup is symbolic of the Lord God's plan of all things, the beginning and the end. It is every work that he has for us if we desire to be a part of the kingdom of God. The cup, of course, is likened to our body. and even describes it, these kind of things, as being the baptism. Remember when he told the disciples that you will take up the cup? He said... uh, in John 18, 11, it was where Jesus said, so Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? So he told them at that time, you know, it's a cup, it's a work that God has given him to do. He's symbolizing that to them. In Mark 10, 39, the Lord says, They said to him, We are able So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with you. I read that wrong. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. See, the pouring out of the water of the word is washes us clean. Mark 10, 30, um, excuse me, Ephesians. 5, 25 to 27, I get too many verses running around in my head tonight. And again, um, the Lord tells us this in John 15, 3, that you know, washed clean by the water, by the word that he's spoken to him. The word from the beginning made all things. And when we're reborn, we're reborn by the, the, the Lord reassigning the particles to be corrected to where we are. See, we think that we just get a baptism, okay, now we're going to start being a Christian. But it's far more than that. Remember that God gave us a blessing from the very beginning. He gave us a blessing in day six. He gave us a blessing and, and put us into the generation that we will be born and the work that we're given to do by the design of God. But remember the very key verse regarding us in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. It's a very interesting verse because what it says in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and I've told you that we are considered to be a part of that earth. Each one of us were prepared and designed, created, planned for, provided for, everything from the very beginning in those words, in the beginning. It's a very interesting word, a number. Let's put it this way. It said, the word that's used for God in, in uh, Genesis 1-1, in being God. See, God owns you. God owns us. God owns everything. He designed us. He's like, the, the, like Jesus said, he's the potter. 
Jesus was the potter, but God provided all the things, the directions, the instructions, the clay, the, the ability to have the hands to do what it does, have, have the voice speak what it does, to breathe the life and breath, and so on. That word is called Elohim. It's really, people say that the, the word for the Trinity, the entirety of God, the, the Lord, the Word, and also the Spirit of God. That's why he says, and we went over this last week or so, we talked about this in First John 5. He said the three that testify in heaven and the three that testify on earth. And he describes what they are, but he's really talking about, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in each one of those. But he describes it in a scientific way as to how, the, how it testifies from. See, God does everything by law. He said in Psalms 119, 142, his truth is law. Therefore, his words are a law. All his works are done in truth. They are done in law. Therefore, we do not know and we have not discerned and we are shameful in that we do not understand that the real law of all things, physics and everything else, is based upon the words of God that are created by the mind of God and given life through the spirit of God with the law of life. There's laws that are based upon life. Who will have life at the end? Why the words of God, one of the words of life, has to do with the, with the what we would call our constitution. It has to do with that. I'll explain that another night. But if you look at what the Lord is saying here in God, and why I'm bringing this back to it when we're talking about the cup, because the gematria, the numeric letter value of the cup is 86. The cup in we're talking about in Hebrew and the foundation. It has a gematria of 86, which is the same as the gematria of Elohim. The letter value. And I gave a book, it's called The Testimony of Numbers, and you can see that God designed everything so that everything works in perfection. The devil twists everything. He tries to tear up the good work of God. But numbers do matter to God. God is a God of numbers. He's not a capitalist. He's a complete God. He's the Elohim. The wisdom of God. Wisdom. Elohim. It's also the same. 86. Not the word wisdom as we use it. But if you think about what the word God is, it is the mind of God. The thoughts are higher than ours and so forth. You can call that the wisdom. Although the word wisdom is used scriptures as Gematria 73. A little bit different. But this God, the number 86, is the number of God's words of eternal plan, eternal power, and eternal Godhead. Because God is, he says, the word testifies. And God is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word, and the number 86 also testifies of eat, live, father, stone, grinding, prophet, prophetess, the mighty, God forbid it, life, sacrifice, rest, woman. All these words have a gematria of 86 when you change and add pluralities and things like this to things you, you get a different letter and of course that changes the numeric but the basic root number is this woman of the Gematria of 86 because she's born of my bone and it bears witness to this and woman is also considered to be the wisdom of God In Proverbs 8 Proverbs 3 other ones You'll see this Proverbs 9, Proverbs 1, 20 to 22. She calls out her words. Wisdom calls out her words. And the word is God. And God is the word. But there's another interesting verse that gives you an understanding of this. And I'll, I'll come, let me go into this real quick. And I'll come back to talking about the, the Last Supper and the cup. Because it's important on the way he did the way of the cup. And I'd like you to understand that and look at that and consider it. Okay, in Isaiah 24, 14, it says this. 
They shall lift up their voice and they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. The majesty of the Lord. That's an important one for us to grasp a hold of because that's talking about this number 86. Majesty of the Lord. Let me open this up a second. I got something here in my file and I want to copy it down. I didn't copy it down to this. Uh, see that number 86 is when you read the words in Hebrew, the majesty of the Lord. It's Yahweh. It adds up to in, 20, in Jeremiah 24, 14. It adds up to the number 86. But consider that verse a minute. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. That is where we are right now. Consider what I just said. I've been telling you and explaining to you this past week in the messages about the sea, what it means and what it represents. That we are the, the sea is those who are in trouble. We must come out and come to Zion. We're to come out to the mountain of God, to the firmament of God, because he's, the, the work of the firmament is to separate the waters that go up and the waters that go down, which is what it says in the second day of creation. And he put in his words in the top of the firmament or in the firmament to judge us, to watch over us, to keep out his to keep his plan. His words are in the heavens, and his words hold everything needed for our cup to fulfill the work that God has given us to do. He designed us like a cup from the beginning. We fill up, if we follow God, what'll be in our cup is good. Because it'll do the good works of God. But if we don't do that, is that. Consider also the, the word number 86 is the might and a vision. He redeemed them, uh, our whole heart, and um, the laws of nature, the praise of the Lord, my great power. He is the God of gods. These all have Gematria 86. The, uh, God of God and his holy name are done by the original method of Gematria. Slightly different than the standard method, but it comes up to this. I don't usually mention those, but it's just another way that the Bible bears witness to numbers. I just wanted you to point that out. It's so great a number, 86. A great number in the kingdom. But here in Isaiah 24, 14, what is marvelously he's doing here is something amazing. This is really clear. This is like the time of the Admiralty Law that we're in right now. We're stuck in the world. We're stuck in the, what they call the sea. The queen owns all the seas. And she owns us. She has the right to our stolen soul from the birth certificate documents I told you about. The live birth record that they steal and they use the afterbirth as a person and that they consider a living person and it dies and becomes a dead estate. That's why the IRS tax code says to treat all children as dead estates. That's in the, the tax code. They try to hide that information. It's there. See, they, they're lying to us completely, and they have a whole legal system that's behind this and it's being exposed now uh, by many people. And people are going to start believing it because God foretold it way back here. This verse, Jeremiah 24, 14, bears witness that we're stuck in the one world order run by the Crown Trust and we're crying and praising the Lord like we're supposed to do in Joel 2, 12 to 20, and he will bring us out and he'll drive the northern army, which is the world people, the world the people who follow the world leader, because the north in Job 26, 7 is the firmament. God's the firmament. Firmament is also in the Bible called Mount Zion. Not just the mount over there in Jerusalem. He's talking about the firmament. That's where we're to come. We're to believe in the words of God that he put into the top of the firmament that judge us and rule over us and that keeps our cup. See, he can't shatter our cup. Almost sounds like a Walt Disney type thing. It's absolutely true. Satan has no authority to shatter our cup if we walk in truth because our cup will be clean. Jesus chastised the shepherds 
uh, rabbis at his time because he said that, you know, they make the cup on the clean on the outside but not in the inside. Because they don't know what's supposed to go into it. If you don't have the words of God that washes clean, how can the inside of our cup be clean? That's what Jesus is referring to. If you don't have the words, if you will not hear the words and discover the words and seek him who makes known his words, Proverbs 1.23, then you will not be clean because it's the words that washes you clean. And that's why he's saying to the shepherds, you're lacking knowledge, you're foolish. If you don't think he calls them foolish, go to Psalms 14 and Psalm 53. The Lord certainly calls them foolish through David. And he says that same thing in Proverbs 1, 20 to 23. He says, how long you naive ones? Or, you know, the, the word that's used there is um, pethy. Hebrews 66, 12, 6612. That word means simple, simple ones, foolish, simplicity, simplicity, naivety, simple, foolish, open-minded, in other words, unfixed. See, if you have understanding of God's words, you sell everything else. The parable of the great pearl. The pearl of great price. He says, people are merchants of goodly pearls. But when they find the pearl of great price, which is the words of God, that is the good news of God, that makes known all things and does and enables all the good works of God, they sell all those other goodly pearls and they buy this one. And they will not sell this. They share it. Because it never runs dry. It will never get less. It will only grow. Anybody who's started studying the words of God will testify, who have a heart to continue, and who are zealous for God and for his kingdom to come, they will, not, they will surely tell you that every day God uncovers something to them, like he promised he would do in the law of knowledge that's given to us in Isaiah 28, 9-13. So God is always trying to increase our knowledge. The cup, again, is the plan of God that he has for us. And he's provided everything in the heavens and in the earth that will, that will enter us if we walk in the path that he tells us, like in John 15, 7, it says, if you will follow me and abide, if you abide in me and abide in my words, all you desire will be done for you. Because your heart is going to receive all the goodness of God far more than you could ever imagine. He has plans for you. And in this day, we are that lucky, that blessed generation that gets to receive the full knowledge of the words of God and begin to know how to enable the good works of God. And God will talk to every person. The Lord tells you you're going to bring judges, but judges are people. He says judges of old. Judges are people who help you understand the words when you have a question. But God, in the kingdom of God, speaks to every heart. And he makes everybody know the words, not like Korah and these people who take it and want to become somebody, and they set up their own little government that's outside of what God has desired. God lets you do this stuff. He lets you do whatever you want to do. If you're foolish enough not to walk in the way of the kingdom of God. But at this time, if you walk in your own way, we're in the time of the hour of the judgment, the separation judgment, Reminds me of they, they call universities, Oregon University, Alabama University, these kind of things. But when you come to Ohio State, they say, the Ohio State University. Well, this is like the kingdom of God. It's the great pearl. It is the kingdom of God. It is the one. He is the one. He is the God, the Lord, the shepherd, the judge. All of us are students, servants, desiring to eat off the crumbs of the master's table. All we need is the crumbs. Just a drop of water. Remember the guy that went and cast in the Hades, the rich man who wouldn't feed Lazarus at his gate, the poor guy? And so he was sent there and he uh, asked for just one drop of water to be taken and dropped on his tongue. Because he knew the water of God washes him clean. And if he was clean, he couldn't be in the prison of God. So he was tricking. That's why people say, well, why didn't Abraham help him? Because he was cheating. You can't help those that God has judged in the final judgment. 
until that time, it doesn't matter. He said, didn't he say, he says he's coming to set the captives free, the prisoners free? There's no one at this time that cannot be saved of God. It's only when God gives that final book closed that they, they don't have a chance. But until that time, everybody has the same right to come to the kingdom of God. And if you oppose that, you're opposing the will of God, which he says he desires all men to be saved and come to knowledge of truth. And in Joel 2, 12, um, Joel 2, 32, he tells you all those who call upon his name at this time shall be delivered. God is a God that all things are possible with him until that book is closed. When that book is closed, and he's made that final judgment because he set everything upon a time plan. And we're running out of that time plan. And we're not listening to God. We better start listening to God. But that cup is God's design for you. The decorations of it, the, the coloring of it, the size of it, all that is all pertaining to the Lord. He knows what it's supposed to be. And he will expose it to you and, and just delight you. See, you can't see your cup except in a mirror. But you don't know what it's going to become because God has got marvelous plans. Jesus said he decorates the flowers. How much more do you think he has for you if you'll let him? But until you stop looking for your cup and try to decorate other people's cups with good works, enabling not you doing that so that you're putting the design on it, but doing the good works enables the design that God has for them to shine through and become full in them. That's the cup he desires. Jesus does that example in Luke 22. He goes this way. When the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him. This is Luke 22, verse 14. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Did you realize that Jesus just, just declared a fast for himself? He's fasting wine because the wine is the eternal plan of God. And when you fast for something, it's because it's the desire that you have for others. He's fasting that we will all enter the kingdom of God and God's kingdom will be filled with people. He desires all of us to receive it. He told the Father, make people, uh, in John 17, 17, cause them to, to be set apart by truth. Your word is truth. Because he knows if they do that, they're going to get the full blessing of everything that was made by the word for them and put into the earth and into the heavens for them um, in the creation themselves. So when you look at the cup and you drink the cup, think of it a little bit differently, I pray. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And when you take communion, you need to understand that Jesus is fasting so that that wine that you drank at that time from the cup will remind you that God has a plan for you and he desires to fulfill it. But not only a plan for you, but all your children, all your, your spouses and your parents and, your, and, and uh, all your neighbors and all your people uh, in, in your city and those against you and those persecuting you, all those have a cup that God is desiring that they take up. There'll be a cutoff time, but until God says that cutoff time has come, even if he's judging them, even if he's taking the light out of them, there's still opportunity because he holds the key of David that can unlock even what he locked. He can unlock it, but nobody else can. But he cannot do it, as he said in Joel 2, 12 to 20, he can't do it unless we plead to the Father to save the people, as it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20. And then he will intervene for us and intervene for those people we're pleading for if they have any desire to be of God. And they'll have that opportunity to hear the word and the angels will rejoice over it because they have angels. Until that book is closed, the angel is trying to bring them to good. Even though the devil's got many angels working to get them into hell and into eternity of pain. Now look what he did. This is why when you drink the cup, and that's why symbolically the Elijah cup is why the time of Elijah because when the words are open, this is the time of Elijah. Because there's a clock set 
Elijah's coming in the middle of the morning. And so that cup is symbolic of that work that Elijah's been given because it's the final work of bearing the final testimony of the word of God before the bold judgment, before the Antichrist, and so on. And they're going to give their lives, Enoch and Elijah, for that cause. That's why we should drink that cup, and that's what the purpose of the Elijah cup truly is. The Messiah's cup is a different cup. That cup should be emptied now, and we should celebrate that. Or we can put wine in it with a different understanding. That understanding is that we know he's not going to drink of that wine until he comes. In other words, it's waiting on him, desiring him to come. You're saying to him, we desire you to come, and that's what people know. But now you understand the reason, I believe, a little clearer maybe. And that's why we share the cup. See, Jesus gave him that cup, and he says, share this among yourselves. They drank of that same cup. Because they all want to share in that blessing. The blessing is Jesus did this for all of us. And what they desire by giving the cup one to another, what they're asking is, I want to do good for you. I want to give you this cup, and I'm going to do the good works and pray for you, and I'm going to pray for God to bless you. I'm going to do all those things, because that's what Jesus desires, all men to come into the kingdom. And we're anointing, and we're agreeing, and in agreement with his thing that says, that God desires all men to save and come to the knowledge of truth. We want to make that happen if it's possible in any way that we can help you obtain the work so that you can do the work to help the others that God guides you to do. That's the cup. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, remember, bread is instruction. He wants you to understand his words so you can follow him. He wants you to understand that you need to call on him so that he can pour out the spirit of truth in you, to you and in you, if you're holy, if you will set yourself apart from the world with a true, diligent desire like Jacob to bring forth the kingdom of God. Then, then you have that instruction that he's desiring to give you. That's what that bread, that of communion really about. Then it goes, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, please understand, he goes on and talks about um, Judas Iscariot in the next verse, but I'm going to stop here on this one. It says in, in verse 20, so this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Please understand, we are going to war. We're killing people. We're killing people by reducing the immune system, by taking the nutritional value of the food out, by using pesticides on the food, doing all these acts of terribleness. But Jesus took that cup and he passed it around. And when the people are taking this is terrible. I, I get so upset just thinking about this. Is when the Jewish people take a communion, and all of us, truthfully, all of us, but especially the house of Israel, as they think about this, they take the communion. If you have this, I'm, I'm not going to go with that. I, I just want to tell you, it's just sad to me when they take the wine cup and they do the Messiah cup and the things that pass over and they do all these things. And, and yet, he gave his blood, and he's talking about the new covenant. If they will understand this, and they share this around, he said, take this cup, and in like manner, he pass it with them. He gave his blood to open the temple veil that we can come in and receive the words of God directly from God, and God always pours out his spirit to make known those words. So Jesus paid the price that enables the spirit of God to be loosened, and stirred in us. His words only come with full measure of the Spirit of God. John 3.34 So he's asking that, and we do the covenant and stuff like that, and all we wish is he torched away our sins with the blood. How did he do it? His words were she clean, John 15.3, Ephesians 5.25-27, and we think we clean just because he said it. But he says to us, Listen to those people, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, the prophets that healed many in his name and so on. 
They knew his name. They knew about the blood. They knew all these things. And he says, depart from me, you're working the lawlessness. They're not wise. They don't understand the truth. I'd like to... Um, the Lord testifies. I'll just mention this quickly. In, in uh, Psalms 14, um, 1 to 7, and in Psalm 53, 1 to 6, I guess it is, he's telling us there about this issue. And we, we just don't seem to understand the importance of this. The, um, what we call the miskill, or whatever you want to call it, that Machado, the type of um, thing of David, it's a name of musical, people say it's a name of musical instrument, but more importantly, it is a song that is talking about, a song about the uh, destruction of the temple. And it's, it's talking about our lack of understanding of our temple. And remember that the temple that God is really interested in is our cup. That cup is the temple. It holds everything holy that God has given to us. The words, the works he's given us, the kingdom building works, all those things. So your cup is holy. We know this. We, we talk about it. But when David was writing these two psalms, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, he's talking about the destruction of the temple and why it's being destroyed, because he tells us in the Hosea 4, 6, the Lord tells us that we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and therefore we're rejected as a priest before him. If we're rejected as a priest before him, it means we're not allowed to speak the words of God. So he's taken away the right of the words of God away from the people who he will judge and separate apart. They will not be able to utter the words, as Paul testified in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to, 14, 1 to 4, where he says that, that those of the world cannot utter the words. They will not be allowed to utter the words. It's a warning. Paul was given a warning. Jesus gives it. David gives it in these two things here. He's saying that in verse 7 of Psalms 14, well, let me just read it real quickly. It's so small. It says, um, Psalms 14, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Jesus said that only God is good. And what he means is only God has the works that were prepared from the beginning of the foundation that never fail, that are holy works, that build the kingdom of God, and that he designed our cup around. So it will fulfill a part of the work. That's why he's talking about that you have a cup, right? You, you have a piece, a drink of the waters. See, in the waters were all the elements and everything that would be needed to build everything that's needed. The storehouses of God are in the waters. Psalms 104 tells you it's above the heavens, all the way around it. And what he's telling is, in there is everything that's needed to do this, and it was that way from the beginning, plus the New Jerusalem and all that he's prepared from the waters, from his storehouse of particles that were in the waters, and he separates that fluid, and the particles go to where he forms them. Made an empty expanse, then he put the earth in it, then he put the words in there, and so on. But he separated everything in the plan by what was the light and darkness in day one, and then he put the firmament in. So see, outside of the firmament, outside of our heavens, are things for the good and the bad. There's punishments out there, the prisons of God are out there, and so forth. That was all done at that time. Now look, look what he says again here. This is a marvelous uh, wording. I mean, David, I could speak days on this. I believe. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and they have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Those who do abominable works have no authority or right to call upon the words of God, so they cannot do the good works. For Jesus is the one good shepherd. He teaches the words of God. That's what he sent in the world to bear witness to. And the works of God that are enabled by the communicating of those words, whether we speak them or do them or even pray them. He tells us that in, and as we get refined, as we think it, it'll be done for us. It shows you that the, that the answer to all things is not in our physical ability or language we speak or anything, but it's actually in the words itself. You frame them in your mind by the words, and it doesn't matter what language you use his words in. When you think of them in the pure language of the kingdom of God, you have them framed in you. 
It says they have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity, of sins, no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call on the Lord? See, they eat up bread, they take bread for whatever they want. It doesn't have a particular meaning. It doesn't understand the way you eat bread and it enables to be holy. That's why he tells you in Zechariah 14, 21, look at it. It says they, they will come in this time uh, to the temple to uh, take of uh, the pots because the pots will say holiness to the Lord on it. You're going to cook in that because that's your communication to God. You're going to do these things by fire. What is the fire? That's the word of God in the full measure of the seven spirits. It said, uh, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as eat bread and do not call on the Lord. See, you eat bread, but you should be using bread, eating bread and using bread like Jesus did, breaking the bread to give instruction to the people. That causes them to have the desire to receive the Spirit, to pull on them to seek knowledge and seek understanding of the good works. He said, they are in great fear, for God is with the generation of the righteous, but they're not of the righteous. Remember, they did abominable things. You sh and what he, this is what David's talking about. This is being spoken of in the time of the separation judgment, which is now. You shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. See, they, the world system built themselves up, and I'll tell you about the queen in a second, because it's, it's really explained by uh, Isaiah's word that you received from God about Lucifer. I'll explain that to you in a second. It's really important to understand that. It says, you shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. At this time, the Lord is going to free the poor, free the prisoner, free the captive, free the even change many persecutors, many oppressors, many people are going to turn to the Lord, and you're going to love them if you're of the kingdom of God. Because when a person is changed by the words in their heart, evil is gone from them, and they are great people of passion, great people trying to help others, because in the kingdom of God, you don't think of yourself. You're thinking of others and trying to do all you can to help them accomplish the good work of the kingdom. Because when you help them do that, God enables some of those things that's in your cup we don't know about to make your cup more beautiful and the, and the aroma of the, of the whatever's in your cup that even smell better in heaven. See, God pays attention to these things. That's why you have a sacrifice and he says he likes the pleasing aroma. See, the aroma is symbolic of, of us wanting to do the desire of the kingdom of God. If that's really the way we're doing the work, we will smell good to God. That's what he's talking about. The smell good means when he likes the smell of it, when it's a good smell, it means inside of us, he's causing the particles to be purified. He's causing the things that make us good to come forth. And that's why the, the smelling of the incense, the smelling of these things, that's what it's representing. And the smelling of the incense was representing the entirety of the people. It's a combination of all the herbs and everything from the land. So the land is being worked by people who are good, people who understand the way the words and do it in the way of the words. That's why that's powerful. But they come with it in a abominable way. It means you don't have any knowledge at all. That's what happened with Aaron's sons, for example. That's what happened with King Uzziah. And we're in the same earthquake as King Uzziah. We're bringing the wrong um, smell, the wrong cup, the wrong uh, bowl in front of God at this time. We don't, we're not looking at our cup in the way of the words of God, in the way of the understanding of God. So we're presenting a bad cup to the Lord. How can he stir that up when it's not the one he desires for us? He can take a pure, blazing clay pot and turn it into the most beautiful thing. Because remember, the firing of the word, the fire, represents the seven spirits of God that make it beautiful. Because it understands all the ways of the works of God. So you won't look the same. I think that's why he's going to say he's going to restore us all and he take away the, the locusts of Eden. He's talking about our cup. He's bringing us into the kingdom of God. We're going to look like that. But those who do not, their body, their cup, you could call it the cup of flesh, is going to be eaten away with the boils. From the top of their toe, head to the bottom of their feet, God tells us in the Bible, all the way down. And their hairs are going to be gone, and their limbs are going to wither. They won't have a cup handle. It's symbolic of all these things in the way that is. Then it goes on. And he says, oh, that the salvation of Israel out of Zion. See, we don't understand that the Lord right now is in the fourth heaven, which is the capstone, which is just above the firmament. 
that is under the throne of God, which is just outside the top of the firmament. If you study Ezekiel 1, you'll see that. The, we're, he's in the area where the uh, four living creatures are right now, which is where the judgment throne has been set up since the beginning of the words of God in 2003. So that's where the moon is setting, and he's ruling in judgment. And Zion is the firmament. He calls that his mountain. We're to come to his mountain and understand to seek him for the words, and he pours them out. Salvation comes by the word of God, by Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, and he is our salvation. He makes known the words to us. Proverbs 1.23 I can help, people can help that have the words, but there's one. You've got to have the authority of the Lord who has the key to allow you to keep those words in the time after the judgment. If you hear his voice and um, discern his words and you believe in the promise of the fathers, he said that you will pass, you'll have eternal life and pass through these judgments. The key is the words of God, as he says in John 17.17. 17. The words themselves are communication language. You don't stop with just words. You've got to get the knowledge of the Spirit that enables the words and the way of the words and how to enable to do them. It's simple. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Light comes by the entrance of his words. That's his burden. You've got to receive my words if you want to um, be able to walk with my yoke. You know, follow him. Because he came bearing witness to the words of, words of God and doing the works of them. And, and then he gave his blood that... Uh, on the cross and the blood and water and, and so that we could enter into the Holy of Holies and receive these words of God in heaven, in Zion at the judgment throne right now they're willing the four living creatures are there he's right there it's like when you go to a general and he gets all his major officers in a room and they go to war God's at war and, and his generals are there with him the four living creatures send out the, the word constantly so whenever you come and you repent and so forth immediately the Lord is sending you help from them. They control what comes through us from the heavens and moves everything in prayer. And he starts preparing our path for us. Proverbs, uh, Psalms 119, uh, 105 and verse 9 as well. It said, um, go down to the next one. Oh, it says, when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. See, Jacob is those who are zealous for the word. And they progressed till they received the name of uh, Israel, which the name of Israel represents the vicarious governor of God. In other words, if you're zealous for the word of God, he will pour out on you the spirit of God, giving you the ability to do what? Be a governor over his words, which is what God does. He does all things in truth, Psalms 33, 4. That's what that's talking about. Okay, let's go to Psalm 53. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity, there is none who does good. Basically the same as before. It changes a little bit here at the end. It says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand. See, any of them, to get understanding, you have to have the spirit in you, or you have to have, you, you come to the knowledge of the words, of the spirit of God, the seven spirits of God, the way of them, because the, the third spirit is the spirit of understanding which you've had to have the Spirit of the Lord, which tells you to separate yourself from the world. That's Spirit 1. And then by light. Uh, he does that by the entrance of light and by the entrance of his words. And then in, uh, the second Spirit is wisdom, which makes known his words and the promises that they enable. And the third thing is how to become a doer of these words. And the fourth one is the counsel of God to give you instruction to go forth and do things. And how to do them and when to do them and, and the plan of God. And, and so on. Okay. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people they, as they eat bread and do not call upon God. They are in great fear where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. See, God, what he's talking about here is the people are going to be set apart. This is separation judgment. They're going to be set apart with his people and he's going to bless them. But those who do not have his words, their lamp is going to go out and they will not have any words. So they set ashamed. Even if they understood the words, but they wouldn't walk humbly before him and so on, they will sit ashamed because God is going to shame them. Um, God despises those like that, so you have to understand that. He explains that clearly. Because what it really does, it tramples upon the grace of the blood uh, of God, uh, of what he spent on the cross, which is what we talked about before. It says, uh, Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. In other words, salvation is 
that they become zealous enough to seek the words, and now God is going to give them the authority to go out and be doers of the words of God to enable the kingdom to be built. Out of Zion, again, is the firmament, the throne, the judgment throne. God says he's going to rule from there with a rod of iron in the heavens at this time. And with the staff, he's going to guide his people. That's why he says in Ezekiel, uh, Ecclesiastes 12:11 that he is uh, the words of the goads of the one sh- uh, shepherd. The goads. The goads is the thing that prod, prod the sheep and get them to go the right direction, keep them out of trouble, and so on, and guide them to where they go. That's the words of God. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when God brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. There we have it. And uh, let's go to uh, Jeremiah, I mean, excuse me, Isaiah. Let me pull it up here on my computer. Um, Isaiah 14. I just want to cover a couple things here uh, quickly. Uh, let me see where I got it here. Um, I think it's important to understand this thing about Lucifer. It will help you understand some of the things about him if you grasp just a few little small things. So I'm going to read Isaiah 14, um, uh, 3 to um, 21. Let's, let's just go through those real quickly. And um, please bear with me. It says, It shall come to pass in the day the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow, which is now, and fear from your fear and the hard bondage in which you were made to serve, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and say, how, remember that there's the queen of Babylon, the king of Babylon, and he tells you the king of the north. The north is the, the um, world, um, the, the entirety of the world. And the Lord has taken their dominion away. And he's telling us that. And he tells you in uh, Daniel 11, uh, 43 to 45, who the king of Babylon is, the king of the north. The same, because she's the queen of Babylon. Um, the queen Elizabeth is the queen. She actually owns the seas and so forth right now. But the king is the one that uh, speaks the words in Babylon. And the words are all the words of Satan. Ecclesiastes 8.4 tells you the king, is in, his power is found in his words. So the power over the gold and silver is being controlled by words. The flood of the mouth of, of the dragon, because everything is a deceit. Okay, it says that um, bodies in that you were made to serve, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased, because he's going to destroy their city. You know, everything was perfect, and they thought they had eternal plan. They had this all figured out. I sat in meetings where they told me that, you know, they don't need the Lord to come back uh, because they can take care of the Antichrist. Yeah, it comes out of them. It comes, it comes from their group, and they can put down everybody. That's what they do with the Order of the Garter and the Order of the Thistle. It's made that anybody that um, makes any kind of problem in the, um, you know, the noble order they have, they're executed, they're killed. Even, many people don't know this, but many of the judges uh, that are part of the divine system, if they tell the public about this, they will be killed. And that's in their contract. It's not allowed to be revealed to the public. But it's known that they have this contract and they sign this. And so they won't tell you the truth because if they did, uh, the Crown Trust would kill their families. That's why it's so secretive. Um, Okay, let's go on here. It tells us here... um, now the oppressors have ceased, the golden city has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, that's what he's going to do now, and the scepter of the rulers. What he's meaning is, when the morning came, which actually when the winter came, this, the um, dominion, right of a dominion, right of rule, has been taken away from them. So Romans 13 no longer applies to any president, any ruler, any nation, and any government. They have no authority to rule at this time, because in the Bible, and when he talks about Daniel, uh, 7, 11 to 12, it explains very clearly a season in time. And the time, we know, is the rising of the morning, so the season is the winter right before it. Which he tells you, don't let your flight be in the winter or in the Sabbath. And his whole seven-year reign of Daniel um, 9, uh, 27, is about this time. A time is seven years in the book of Revelation. And so we now know that he rules the whole morning. From morning, the, the dawn, until the noon time. And noon is when the Antichrist and the Ten Kings and all that do their thing. The Antichrist kills the um, two witnesses of God that will be here in the middle of the morning and from like 9 o'clock until... Um, the, the year is equivalent to 9 a.m. until um, noon. And they'll, they'll reign at that time. That's three and a half years of time or 
1,260 days or 42 months. Take it however you want to describe it. That, that's how the Bible describes it in the book of Revelation and in Daniel uh, 12. Okay, so he's talking about this time right now that he, you know, where he talks about the fifth kingdom has been wounded, mortally wounded. That's this time. This is, they've been destroyed. They just, you know, don't understand that their dominion has been officially removed by God. They have no right of authority and therefore their scepter is broken. They think they can go out and rule and God's going to show them, like he says in Daniel 11, uh, 45, that he has no power. And he says that right here. And this goes with Daniel 11, 45. What he says here is, the scepter of the rulers, he who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger is persecuted, and no one hinders. If you go to Daniel 11:45, it says when he comes, when he hears the news of the north, and I mean news of the east and the news of the north, in other words, when he hears the news from the kingdom of God, which is called the east, it's also described as the east, just like he talks about Mount Zion being the top of the firmament, and the way of the east, because he's coming back from the way of the east, he explains this in uh, Ezekiel 43, 1-4, you can see it in there, and then also he tells you that the north is the walls of the firmament, uh, which is given to you in uh, Job uh, 26-7, so you can understand what the north is, and it's not... You know, they talk about Russia, that's symbolic. That is not um, what he's really talking about. The crown trust is what runs the world. Because he, he talks about those who run the sea, own the sea. The law of the sea treaty gave the ownership of all the seas and all the rivers to Queen Elizabeth. And um, the operational controls of the gold and silver is in the hands of the Rothschilds. They control all the gold and silver for this ruler of the sea, which is the queen. And... Uh, so in the words of the Rothschilds have been the magic for the last, you know, 200 years, 200 plus years now uh, of running this world. But uh, the, the law, Admiralty Law, and the, and the Knights of um, Knights uh, Order of the Knights of Garter, all that Order of the Garter, that was all started in 1327. And that's when this, the 50s kingdom really started its reign. You can trace it back to then. Before that, it was the 40s kingdom, the Roman Empire. But when 1327 came around, when that was put into place, and eventually knocked out the Vatican, the Vatican is now just one of the 13 entities uh, that the Crown Trust controls. So they're one of 13, but there's two at the top, and then there's another five powerful ones, and the Vatican is part of the lower group um, from the last six group. There's, there's two, uh, which is Rothschilds and the Queen, and there's five. They have uh, different families in there. And then uh, under that, you have the last six uh, people, which one of them is the Vatican. And the Vatican the Pope is appointed by the Crown Trust and put in place. And you can see, I mean, if you go look carefully, you'll find that the Vatican Bank is controlled by the Rothschild family. And they control the Crown Trust family. I mean, the Crown Trust banking system for the Queen in cooperation with the Queen. Um, so it goes on, the whole world is at rest because the Lord has taken over dominion. That's why people are missing this. The Lord tells us in, the, in Revelation 17, uh, 9 to 14, that there's a time when the beast kingdoms don't reign. He says the same thing in uh, Daniel 7, 12. The dominion's taken away from them for a season and a time, which is seven years and one winter season. <laughs> the winter season plus the seven years. That we're in that time now. They don't have authority to reign. And if they go to war, They'll, they'll come out with a big fire, but God is going to intervene and stop them. And all those who intervene with God and would obey Joel 2, 12 to 20 will be set apart in the kingdom, and they will be saved. And then uh, the beast kingdom won't be able to touch them because Satan can't go past that fourth cup. That's what I try to tell you. The, the fourth cup is interesting. It's the, um, the, I mean, the fourth spirit is the counsel of the Lord. So if you're doing cups, the fourth cup should represent that counsel. And if you're doing that and not knowing that, you're not honoring God with your cup. It said, the whole earth is at rest and quiet, and they break forth into singing. And indeed, the cypress trees rejoice over you. Remember what he said? The whole earth was waiting for the sons of God to arise. How do you become a son of God? John 10, 34, 37. Those to whom the word comes become like a little God. If you're a little God, you're a son of God. Um, and the cedars of Lebanon sing saying, since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. Uh, hell from beneath is excited about you, to meet you at your coming. He's talking about the, the, the devil and all those that follow him. And it stirs up the dead for you. In other words, 
it's, it's confirming that not everybody's going to die. They're going to be set apart, like I told you, in the bottom of the ocean floor. God's going to prepare a place for them like he did to Pharaoh. And this time he's going to give the plagues to them there. It's not going to be this, you know, one night stand. This is going to be a very serious time where he says he's going to drive them, uh, their backs into the western sea and uh, faces toward the eastern sea. In other words, God is going to destroy them. The back is the people behind them, the, of the world, and, and they're going to attack the leaders. Uh, God says that, that through this time, they're going to destroy everything of, of the queens, the, the Babylon and all that stuff. And you see that in Revelation 18, um, what they do there, and also in Ezekiel 38. Okay, uh, hell from the deep is excited about you to meet you at your coming, because they won't die right away, but they, they are going to be given a chance. If they do not repent zealously before God, they will not come out, and they're going to have to go through the time of plagues and repent after that is lifted, and it'll be like the lepers when he heals them all of a sudden from the plagues that he gave them and give them that opportunity to worship him. Will they go back and just go back to the normal worship things? Will they go back to pastors and so forth and, and say, oh, God's with us, and we're, we're in it now, and these pastors will try to build their ministry again, but they're not because they've not come to the words of God and do not have the right of them. But God is going to put them there. He tells you that in Matthew 24. To test the people. He says, don't follow them. Don't go where they go. If they haven't been set apart with the words of God from the beginning, they wouldn't be like that. And uh, so, okay. It says, um, they all shall speak and say to you, have you also become as weak as we? Uh, have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to shoal, and the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot is spread under you, and the worms cover you. I suggest to you to look up the book of Testimony of Numbers. I've explained the prisons of God and the worms and the maggots in there. Because it is like that. The maggot is spread under you. What it means by that is it eats the worm, and after three days it vomits it back up and into the larvae, which becomes maggots, and then it goes into the worm again, and it's eaten again. The soul goes into the body of a worm, and it has constant cycle in the Guiana, uh, the Great Lake of Fire. This is all explained in the book of Job and others. Proverbs 1 has some of this and other scriptures. I've explained it in the book of Testimony and Numbers. There's charts in there to show it to you. It goes uh, Isaiah 14, 12, and it goes, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Why is this? It's very interesting. See, Lucifer has been, this is his time, son of the morning. Remember, God and the Lord is rising as the son of righteousness right now, and he's taking dominion away. But Lucifer is lying and causing these people to be stirred up to believe that he has the power, he still has the dominion, and that they can do all this, because they're coming out to be destroyed. And his plan is to destroy all the people that he can, because that's how he overcomes the world, overcomes God. But the people aren't listening to this. I've explained this many times, and they will not hear. But that's why he's doing this at this time. How you are cut down to the ground, you are weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. I'm not going to go on um, part of this because you can get all this, but I'm going to explain that verses. That's really important because it's going to take a long time to go through the rest of the verses. Uh, but this explains to you marvelous things here of what the evil of Satan, what he's trying to do. And this is like the pyramid of the, of the uh, you see the pyramid that they do. See, the, the heavens are in the shape of a pyramid, but they pervert this because this is what Satan has to do. He has to tell you the truth. The truth is that God's judgment throne is at the top, the capstone of the, of the pyramid, and his throne is above it. God's throne is above it. But first he has to overcome the law. And you'll see that uh, you have the um, stars, and you, know, you have the first heaven, which is the world, and you have the second heaven, which is the shadow of death, which is where he was, and he's now cast down on the earth. And then you have paradise, and then you have the capstone at the top, which is the... Um, place where God and where the four living creatures are and where God's angels get their instructions and so forth. And then above that is the throne of God. And it's an appointed time when God comes in, this thing to, to come before him, the angels and so on. I, I believe sometimes that they come up to the, to the heaven itself, to God, they have to have permission to get out of the um, firmament. 
and they, they come before God like that. Uh, God does that, and He's shown people visions of, of this throne. Um, I don't know whether He shows it to them in exact detail, or actually, you know, He shows it to them in a vision type of thing where they actually go there, but it may not be exactly the way that the throne is, but He's showing them the likeness of what He's meaning in this, so they might grasp the way of the words. Now, Satan, it tells us in the Bible that his truth reaches under the clouds and all his works are done in truth. And if you understand what he's saying in this, what he's saying is that his clouds are truth. In other words, truth resides on, on the clouds. It's symbolic of his truth. What, but if you consider all his works, which he made all things, there's a cube, as I showed you in the book of the Testimony of Numbers. The entire creation is in the form of a cube and the outer walls of that cube are formed with clouds. And he wants to rise above the Lord, ascend into heaven above the Lord, because that's what he's talking about, above the stars. Jesus spoke and put in place the stars and the, and the sun and moon, and they govern us and judge us, and he wants to have rule over that. See, he understood the fiery stones which give the commands out to the stars to pour forth the frequency to bring forth particles in the time that's appointed to do the good work. All this stuff is continuously going on. And then what, what Satan is trying to do here, and what he's trying to say is that he's going to have authority over those stars so he can destroy you and destroy everybody and have his own works. He's like the Tower of Babel was trying to do so that they can do whatever they desire and it will not be stopped by, by the Lord. They want to change things. But he doesn't want to only do that. He wants to go above the clouds, which he's talking about, having power over all the creation. All the creation. Not just what's in the firmament. He's the clouds, the walls of the entire creation. He's going to be above the God. He's going to be equal to God. He's going to take over this God, basically kick that, our God out. That's a, seems like that's what he's trying to say here. But what, you should have a grasp now of something a little bit different. Satan is telling you right here, and, uh, you know, people know and Satan's trying to take over the Lord and so forth. But now you understand that he's not only just doing it by a desire of, you know, beating people and so forth. He's also trying to take over the laws that control all things. He's trying to remove the right of the Lord to have authority over all things. And this is the verses that tell you that and show you how he's doing it. The clouds. And people need to understand what those represent and what they symbolize and what it is. But he says in here that, all his works are done in truth, and his truth reaches under the clouds, into the clouds. So what he's saying is all things are in his uh, words. Uh, you know, the whole creation was within these clouds and within the waters, within the firmament, and so forth, that are within this uh, big cube of the creation itself. I've explained this in a book, The Testimony of Numbers. You can start looking at the verses and pondering it. God will show you this. Actually, took me to the walls of the firmament. Let me see the earth before the stars and the sun and moon put into place. And he says, you have to believe like a little child. That's what Jesus said. you got to come to me like a child. And if you come to me like a child, then you'll be able to understand because I teach you. I make known this knowledge to you. I will lead you in the scriptures and you'll be able to see it come to life. And you'll understand it because you'll be able to understand his pure language, which he talks about in Zephaniah 3.9, which he wants to cause all of us to walk in one shoulder with that pure language at this time. So that we're understanding that all of our cups should glorify God. And we should try to enable the glory that's in the cup of the other person to come forth and then decorate that cup. Remember what he says at this time, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they're going to put on the righteous, the fine linen on their garment, the righteous acts of the saints, Revelation 19, 1 to 11. That's how you're doing it. Doing the words of God. It changes your cup. It changes their cup. They do righteous acts for others. And it brings glory on their cup. And God enables that to come forth on you too. It covers a multitude of sins for them and for you. And things come forth. You don't do it to get something. You do it because you want to see God's kingdom be glorified. And when you, have, when you walk humbly before God, worrying about the other people's cups, how you can help them to make it better that they, the work that God has given them to do can come forth, then your cup will start shining. But until then, you don't have a right to have your cup shine. Okay. Daniel 12, 2 and 3 tells you that he's going to cause people to be um, shine like a firmament, which is the walls of the firmament. I told you about that, and where the words are, the judge over all things. And 
Um, so they're going to shine like a firmament forever and like the stars. The stars is a daily work continuously, 24-7, going out and doing the words. And the, and the, the firmament is actually the deciding eternal things, who goes up and who goes down. So it's, it's keeping the eternal plan of God. That wine cup in communion is a very important thing when we understand it a little bit better. I pray tonight that this has helped. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to just bless this, dear Lord, that, that you can correct whatever is not suitable. And Lord, I pray that if you find it all good for you and good for the kingdom. And Lord, we pray that you will cause truth to be made known in hearts. Lead the people to the scriptures they need to see. And dear Lord, cause their eyes to see your truth. Lord, let them anoint their eyes with eye salve. And Father, we pray that it would open their heart to the light and pour out, pull out the toxins, dear God. Pull out the darkness from them. And Lord, let them see the truth and let them begin to understand what is the good news. Well, we've been all this time talking about the gospel, gospel, gospel. It's a terrible word. People don't realize that what it's really talking about is your works. The news about how to do enable your works so that we are washed clean and brought forth in the kingdom of God this time. Father, help us not to disappoint. Help us, dear Lord, to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And Lord, we ask you just to bless the people with a special outpouring, dear Lord, of light upon them, dear God, they might see your truth. And Lord, remove the blinders and the darkness. And Lord, we pray for healing at this time for many. And dear Lord, this economy and so forth is going to bankrupt, as you said it would. And Lord, the world are doing it. But dear Lord, we pray that you provide a guidance to your people because of the stress that this is creating. We pray, Lord, you'd help all of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 